0: Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. Remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our special guest is Bishop Athanasius Schneider. He's the Auxiliary Bishop of Astana, Kazakhstan, and also a staunch defender of the faith. You may remember we spoke to His Excellency a few months ago when we talked about his book on the Mass. Today, we're gonna talk to the Bishop about his new book, The Springtime That Never Came. And Bishop, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. So maybe people don't understand the title of the book. And maybe we can start there, The Springtime That Never Came. What are you trying to say with that title?
1: Uh, Simply, it is the stating of the facts of the reality. Uh, So to be aware, simply of reality in order not to live in a fantastic world. Uh, I mean, ecclesiastical world, which does not exist. So we have no springtime. We don't see in a a large scale, I mean, uh, such as it was told to us uh, in the last decade, since John the 23rd, it was the speech continuously, on that, we are now, we have entered with Vatican II a new time of the church, a kind of new Pentecost and springtime. But everyone could, con- could state that it was really not a springtime. And uh, now we are seeing ever more uh, that the churches are uh, ever more empty and parishes are closed, churches were sold in Europe, in the United States, in a large number. The convents are closed ever ever more, Um, and then the other aspects of the life within the church, especially the great crisis of the clergy, we have uh, we have known and we are know the the sexual abuse cases, uh, not only one, but it was really uh, a serious problem in the church and so on. So uh, in this sense, we cannot speak, we continue to speak about the springtime of the church, but I think even those churchmen who promote and promoted uh, the liberalism, modernism within the church. I think they are, uh, in our day, they are not more daring, usually, to speak on the springtime of the church.
0: Yeah, and that was going to be my next question because if, when you read the book and it's in a question and answer form, which I really enjoyed because you cover a lot of topics that way, uh, you know, there really is a reminder and, and should be an awakening to those who aren't paying attention that modernism really has crept into the church at the highest of levels. And so what does that look like? So when we talk about modernism, what are some of the things that you would identify as, as those that are trying to change the church and really try to make it more Protestant than it is the Catholic church?
1: Yes, this is um, uh, one of the concrete uh, phenomena and signs of those churchmen who in the last decades got power in the church, administrative power on high levels. They tried with all um, means to change the church into a kind of Protestant community, and not only Protestant, but to be um, adopted, uh, to the world, to the spirit of the world, mm-hmm. so to, uh, to accept uh, the spirit of the world, uh, concretely regarding the the morals and the understanding itself of the faith, of the revelation. This is going deeper even to the roots, to the foundations of the church of the faith undermining it by spreading our uh, true relativism. So that there is nothing uh, stable and all is always developing to another uh, reality. Uh, it is the so-called Hegelian philosophy of Hegel. Who propagated this philosophy that everything is now will continuously changing and we cannot uh, only be with that what we received from, from the past and we have continuously to we have to abandon the past and to adapt us to the reality of the history. It means what man producing in history, not what God and therefore declaring uh, simply the historical worldly human uh, developments as divine revelation. This is a complete um, uh, abandoning, and uh, I consider this kind of thought an apostasy from the true revelation from the faith. So. And this is manifesting itself also in other levels, the relativism in liturgy. First, we are seeing there is no stability. There is uh, subjectivism, uh, a worldly style, Protestant style, and so on. And then the morality, as I mentioned already, the, the moral law. And uh, so this is the how Uh, the so-called modernism or liberalism is uh, revealing itself within the church.
0: Well, and I probably, to me, there's no greater example than what's going on in Germany in terms of, you know, the synod and them trying to change the moral compass of the church in terms of who can receive communion, uh, all the things in terms of, you know, women, they want women to be more almost like deaconesses out there. And this is what's going on in Germany as a whole. And the Vatican really saying nothing about it. It's almost like they're allowing this to kind of spin out of control without saying, no, this is wrong. And there's almost like a fear of going against the modernists, it seems like.
1: Yes, it's not only a fear from the Vatican. They are even promoting these Mm bishops and cardinals who are, doing this they are being promoted in the last and now we are observing this but not only germany <clears throat> it is this so-called synodal path or the synod of synodality it is in all the universes of the world it is a a hidden agenda uh, maybe not directly in this way as in germany but recently You could read in the news that the diocese of Barcelona in Spain, uh, at the conclusion of their diocesan uh, phase of the synodality, they uh, basically proposed the same um, agenda as the German synodality way. Imagine in Spain, this was the official result of the diocese of Barcelona To recognize the LGBT, to recognize the sin of homosexuality as positive and to open the way for the ordination of women. Imagine. And and then other dioceses in other countries will probably imitate this. We have to be um, very vigilant and not so naive. It's not only Germany. It is right. it is going on, and uh, and then the problem, as you mentioned, is that uh, the Pope Francis, uh, it's simply nothing doing. Uh, he he does this; it's possible that and so many bishops report to him uh, to to uh, to take some action, but nothing is done. It is simply a complete confusion on. Doctrine and our faith, uh, and this, therefore, we have to pray to God that He may intervene in this tremendous uh, confusion, which the the head of the visible church is um, in de facto uh, supporting and not not doing nothing. He right. could at least, he could at least uh, support those bishops who are fighting against these confusion. But the contrary, those bishops who are defending the faith, they are uh, usually in the last They were admonished by the Pope, by the uh, Vatican. In some way, they were, yes, punished even.
0: Well, I'm sure the new list of cardinals came out the other day, and I'm sure you were shocked not to see your name on that list. But the faithful, I was
1: was not shocked. (laughs) I was happy. I was happy not to be in the list.
0: (laughs) But you know what? What there's been, you know, great uh, consternation amongst the faithful with the people whose names are on the list. You know, Bishop McElroy out of San Diego, who. Uh, is in lockstep with the modernist theory. He wants deaconesses. I mean, he, he thinks we should embrace the LBGTQ agenda, you know, Bishop Roche. I mean, there is a lot of concern amongst the faithful that all these cardinals are being appointed so that when we have, you know, Pope Francis II, we're going to move even further into this modernist world. What, what should the lay faithful think when they see this going on?
1: It is uh, scaring for us, humanly spoken, but it is. we have to keep in mind that a church is not ultimately in the hand of a pope, no. Mm-hmm. church is in the hand of Christ, in his almighty hands. And uh, the Lord permits such a confusion uh, on the highest levels in the church as he did in some uh, moments in the history of the church as well, not to that extent to my knowledge and to my opinion, but he permits today and therefore we have to renew our faith and trust in the Lord that he will manage this crisis and he will intervene. So we have to pray for our divine intervention. And, and so, but at the same time, it is consoling for us to observe that on several places all over the world, the Holy Spirit is awakening uh, really a, new, a renewal of the church. Uh, a springtime which is coming slowly in small proportions. There are, again, uh, new priests, seminarians, young, who are desiring to live the fullness and the integrity of the Catholic faith, as it was in all ages, the beauty and the sacredness of the Holy Liturgy, of the holiness of the moral life of the missionary zeal to save the souls and and to preach Christ to the non-Christians. And so these we can observe, thanks be to God, there are now very small uh, numbers, but even though there are, and the new families, this is the work of God that we have ever more new good Catholic families, and places where the, church, the faith is lived, uh, the Catholic faith in its fullness, it's slowly growing, I can observe this. They are still small, but as I am believing that these realities of the new priests, new young priests, new families, are now signs of the coming of the true springtime of the church, which the time will got uh, determine. We have simply to do our work in this time.
0: But well, I think it's, it's encouraging to hear that because in the end, right, families can live the true faith within their homes. They know the true faith and they know uh, when errors are preached or heresy is preached or talked about what is right and what is wrong. And so we have to keep the course as Christ is our center, right? And it really is, we have that ability. And so we will never give that up. But the bottom line is, you know, we hear about the, you know, the apostles in the boat and the storm coming, right? Don't get out of the boat. The boat is Christ. And no matter how rocky it gets, we have to stay with Christ, right?
1: Exactly, Deacon. This is a very good comparison, the boat in the sea uh, during the storm and the wind, and uh, Christ will raise up again, stand up and command to the storm to come. So we have to, well, we can awaken the Lord as the Apostles did in the boat, awaken Him with our prayers.
0: Right. Prayers and fasting and really that, huh? the faithful and the faithfulness. Right. And, you know, following bishops like yourself, you know, when we when we think, oh, my gosh, nobody knows the truth. You come out and speak the truth and you you really are kind of that lighthouse, that light in the darkness. When we can read your material, we see your interviews and it does give us strength that we're not crazy. Right. Sometimes you look at the church. You know, we just had, you know, the World Economic Forum. Right? Yes. And DeVos, Switzerland, and the Vatican was participating in that, right? I mean, yes. that's trying to make a world economy. It's almost like they're trying to make a one world religion, which isn't Catholic. Yes. And so we can see those things and really be frustrated, can't we? Of course.
1: Uh, but um, we have to look, so not follow, well, what I'm doing, it is not my my idea, my theology. Right. right. I'm only transmitting what I received from my parents, from the saints, from all the centuries, from our Holy Mother Church. Uh, the Catholic faith will always remain the same. Uh, it, should not all, it should only deepen and to be more clear, more explicit, the beauty of all the truth of the Catholic Church. So, and uh, as you mentioned, the place of the beauty of the Catholic faith are the families, the Catholic families. And so I would encourage them to study continuously the good catechisms, the old catechism, which are more simpler and more clear. Like the Vatican catechism, let us say, there are this old Spirago Catechism with many examples. Uh, so, the, because the face is always the same, will not be the another as it was 100 years ago or 80 years ago. It's the same, cannot change. Of course, there are new problems in our world, but in, in, in ultimately it's the same faith, the same truth which we have to renew the good papal documents, which we had, especially before the Council, uh, with this crystal clear clarity, which gave us this orientation in the modern world. They are very timely, even with the encyclicals of of Pope Leo XIII, for example, of Pius X, uh, and some encyclicals. affirmations of Pius the 12th are very crystal clear and prophetic analysis of our time, even of our time. It's very much um, applicable. Of course, we have also from John Paul II, very good and clear statements on human life against uh, the culture of death, about uh, holy matrimony, family. The Moral Law, the Encyclical Veritatis Splendor. So we have, we can also study this, and this will help us. And of Pope Benedict, uh, his statements. So we have these tools, and we have to again to be more sure in our faith. And so also, uh, I would suggest, besides of the study of the good catechisms and the good papal documents, also to read the life of the saints, the examples of the saints in difficult times. So we have uh, also these possibilities, good examples of Christians, of lay people, of priests and bishops who in difficult times defended their faith and remained faithful.
0: Well, and I guess it's a reminder that This isn't exactly new. The church has gone through rocky times before. And you can look at saints like St. Catherine of Siena, right? She had to drag the Pope out of France and say, hey, get your backside back to Rome where you belong and really, you know, be a force. And we need to be that um, educated in our faith and that strong in our faith that we are out there making that strong witness because sometimes people feel like they're alone, right? The attack on the traditional Latin mass, you know, it's harder to find. You know, trying to restrict uh, ordinations. I saw there was something out of France today; they were restricting some priest and deacon ordinations. So it can be harder to find, but the fruits are there when we do, right?
1: Yes, yeah. um, and therefore we have to uh, to look on the example of the saints, as you mentioned, Saint Catherine of Siena in difficult times. Even there is a letter of Saint. Uh, Catherine of Siena to the, pope, to the Pope where he admonished him several times to mm-hmm. to change his behavior because it was damaging the church. Right. And, and then, uh, then she wrote him a letter. After she admonished him several times, she wrote a letter to him very respectfully, most Holy Father, you are the sweet Christ on earth, and so on. But uh, if you will not uh, convert and change, step down, renounce the papacy. Right. You are loving and obedient, daughter the So she wrote. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, but I guess, you know, and your point is, look, this has happened before, and that's when times get tough, that's when saints need to materialize, right? We need... Everybody has to be a saint if you want to get to heaven. So we need to act like that by living faithfully and defending the church. Right? We are the church militant. So exactly. Think and when we through, are,
1: even when the saints, some saints, rarely, but it did admonish even the pope or the bishops of the pope. They did this out of love for the church, not uh, in a kind of a protest or anger or. Uh, disobedience. No, it was simply a, an expression of their love for Mother Church. And also, uh, it was an expression for the love for the salvation of the soul of that Pope, of that concrete Pope, of that concrete Bishop who did not well his ministry, which Christ um, gave him. So it in this, we have to do this, the faithful and also, I mean, the bishops uh, in, a, in a spirit of love and charity. But sometimes it's necessary to admonish. The admonition is an expression of the love for neighbor. Uh, we have to do this, of course, with respect, respectful, but clear words. So. Because we are are a family, the church is a family, and therefore, we are one Uh, and we have to be aware and concerned about the common good of the church and salvation of souls and the glory glory of God. And therefore, we have to defend the truth and the truth is uh, in danger in the church to be changed, uh, to be put um, in a, in an ambiguous way to the people and the liturgy, especially the Holy Eucharist. They have to, to defend our Lord in the Holy Communion, in the Holy Host. There is the majesty of our God, hidden. And therefore it should be again a movement in the Church also to defend the sacredness, the majesty of the Holy Eucharist.
0: Well, and I think, uh, you know, we just saw that from Archbishop a out, out of San Francisco, right? If you read how he admonished Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House here in the United States, it was with love, but it was firm, and he gave an example of why he was being pastoral, not being vindictive or politicizing the Eucharist. And that's kind of an example of, the courage it takes and, you know, unfortunately, not all the bishops, you know, we've seen comments from different ones support or don't support. But people have to do the right thing and then just kind of let things go where they're going to go. Right. But it's always defending the church, defending the Eucharist and worrying about the salvation of souls. Right.
1: Exactly. This is it should be always our motivation when we are uh, in our time. Uh, sometimes we the bishops and the pope should take clear actions to protect the common good of the church but also for the salvation of that soul uh, who is doing wrong like politicians who are promoting uh, the mass murder of unborn children this is horrible crime and uh, and and these politicians are, Uh, putting uh, their souls in danger, to lose their souls for all eternity. We cannot simply abandon them and encourage them implicitly to continue with their uh, work, with their sins. And we have to, at least in this case, it was a great uh, act of pastoral charity uh, of Archbishop Cordiglione also, and Uh, it was a courageous witness from him uh, on the holiness of our Lord in the Eucharist.
0: Thank you, Bishop. I can't believe how fast the time goes every time I interview you. Your book is tremendous and I encourage people to go out to get the book, The Springtime That Never Came by Sophia Press Institute. If you want to understand the problems that are going on within the church, and the hope each and every one of us has to be a saint and to change the way things are going, pick up this book. I highly encourage it. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.